Welcome back to the Millennial Pastor Podcast. I'm Megan Pittman, and I'm your guest host for Season 11, where we are exploring worship, the arts, and how they impact our interaction with both God and the Church. This season, we are excited to share conversations with all kinds of leaders, artists, pastors, and creatives who share their stories and how art has played an instrumental role in their faith expression. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for this week's guest. All right. Hey, friends. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Our very special guest today comes to us all the way from Lisbon, Portugal. She has a bachelor's and master's degree in business administration from Point Loma Nazarene University. She's done work with Saddleback Church, Hillsong, and is working on a project currently called Simply Worship. In addition to her musical experience, she works as a loan servicing officer in structured finance. She's an extremely talented worship leader, musician, and songwriter. Give it up for Victoria Sabingo. I'm good for you. Dude, so good. For those of you listening, like Victoria, Victoria is one of those people where it's been too long. It's been so many years since we've chatted. And Mm -hmm. I don't know. We we shared a lot of life together at Point Loma. Mm -hmm. And she's just an incredible worship leader. She's such a kind person. She's driven. She's talented. I'm just going to gush all, all, all about you because I'm just Thank excited you. to talk to you. <laughs> Me too. And we were close. We were in our first band together. Like my yeah. first ever, East, I, you, we were in it together and we traveled and I don't know, music brought us together, but we've had a friendship even outside of that, which I think is awesome. Yes. Vicky also also, can I call you Vicky? I can't remember. Absolutely, yes. Most people do. <laughs> I yeah, it's um Vicky saved me also. There was a time where I was stuck at an airport, and this was the weekend mm-hmm. we figured out um where the COVID pandemic was being recognized in the States. And uh I was supposed to get on a flight from was it South Carolina or North Carolina? South, South okay. Carolina. South Carolina. <laughs> Um, and it was canceled. And this was also like when I was going through chemotherapy treatments and I was like, I can't sleep in the airport. I'm immune compromised. (laughs) Um, and so anyways, she, she rescued me from the airport and you, you, you lived close enough, but you didn't live close. It was like like an hour, maybe an hour hour and a half. It was worth it though, Megan. I would do it again in a heartbeat. Yeah. So I do for your friends. She's a literal superhero. I I will I will die on that hill. So um yeah, so Vicky, tell us a little more about where you are in life and what you're doing. What are you up to? So where I am in life. So I'm currently back home in Lisbon, Portugal. I was in the US. I left when I was 18 and I stayed until I was 28. So I spent a good decade in the United States, in San Diego primarily, but then in a few other states for a while. Um, and then I came back to Lisbon in 2021 after like, like during the pandemic, I think it still was happening then. And so <clears throat> when I moved back, I decided to apply for jobs. And then I worked from home for a while. I worked for Facebook for like a small oh, um, of time. Wow. It was like, it was an intense experience. It, it was good. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, maybe I'll try something else. And so I applied to like technically my first like out of ministry job post-college or ever really. And so now I work for BNP Paribas, which is a bank here in, in Europe that's well known. 
Um, and so, yeah, so I do that. I work in finance and then I do music on the side. I wouldn't even call it the side. I would say right next to it. <laughs> I do music because <laughs> um, I think it's always a part of who we are. But yeah, I'm serving currently at my current church. Little by little, I just got into this new church. So still getting integrated into the worship community. But before then, when I was at Hillsong, I definitely helped with worship and um, assisted in vocal direction primarily and leading worship here and there whenever it was it was needed. And so, yeah, so I'm doing that, living life. I'm trying to get my license again. So, so I'm in driving school. Oh, wow. I'm trying, yeah, it's crazy. There's all these teenagers in class with me. It's great. I'm learning a lot because Europe is completely different and it's six oh, shifts. Yeah. It's way harder. So yeah, so that's what I'm up to. Just working nine to five, if you will, hybrid. And then like church life keeps us pretty busy and then friends and travel and all the fun stuff. So that's what I'm up to as of recently. Where's the last place you traveled to? Last place we went to, good question. I think it, was it Barcelona? Yeah, it might've been, I think it was Barcelona. Yeah. Yeah. We went to Barcelona. And we're going to London next year, which I'm so excited about. Never been. Yeah. Yes, I've never been. I've never been. It's so far away from us, kind of. It's not really that far, but it's not like Spain. We can just drive over. Right. Right. It's not just across the border. Yeah. So I'm so we're gonna see John Mayer. I'm so excited. It's gonna be great. Oh, oh my god, you love John Mayer. My birthday batch, you know, turning 30. So I'm excited. Yeah, I've gotta find mm-hmm. I've gotta find something to do to celebrate turning 30 mm-hmm. yes. you yeah. should come to come to you <laughs> mandy mandy's That's coming okay. next door our friend what? mandy's actually I, paris was the last place i went sorry scratch oh, that we went to paris. Right. You went to paris with mandy right yeah we went to paris with mandy and she's coming to portugal also next year you know so, what? lots of birthday fun yeah yes in march as well so same month as john mayer so I'm so excited. Well, we will talk later. <laughs> I would yeah. love that. Please, if you want to come, you have a room here. You can... It'd be so good to see you and be with you and yes. see new things and fun. Yes. Okay. Sorry. Using this podcast to plan plan future trips. Great. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, Vicky, you shared um, that uh, you're a musician. You play guitar. Mm-hmm. You sing. I know you play a little piano. Yes. Um, and, and songwriting. I've um uh, I'll shamelessly plug um one of the songs that uh Victoria's written Heart Unfold yeah that yes is- so the song that you've written Heart Unfold parentheses revival um right <laughs> yes um, yeah, yeah we it, it's really powerful and we sing it in our church on occasion and um, awesome. yeah it's been it's a sweet way to um feel connected to you but also like it really spoke to me and um Mm -hmm. I think it speaks to as someone who like kind of is hesitant around language like revival and prophecy Mm -hmm. and like not not that I don't believe those things are real or possible but I I feel like sometimes they're overused or used inappropriately Mm -hmm. um to describe Mm -hmm. people trying to control what God is doing anyways all that to be said it it really spoke to something in me that mm-hmm. needed some reawakening some revival and i think it's really touched the people in my church anyway so thank you for that her song heart unfold um mm-hmm. but um obviously you're a musician 
Um, mm-hmm. Are there any other art mediums that you engage with or is music like the predominant one? I would say music is the predominant one. I wish I could dance, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I really admire dancers. I think they're amazing, larger than life people. Oh. Shout out to all the dancers out there. But yes, music, songwriting, worship leading. I think I'm in that niche, if you will, of art. Nice. Nice. So as a part of this podcast, we're exploring the relationship between worship and art mm-hmm. and kind of how our our minds and our, our thoughts typically, if you've grown up in church or if you spent even six months in church, um, sometimes worship and worship through music kind of get used interchangeably. Um, Correct. So but when you when you hear the word worship, when the word worship is used, what mm-hmm. comes to mind for you? Mm-hmm. For me, I think of worship as assigning worth to something. Mm-hmm. So it's giving something value. Um, and I, I I believe that human beings are are wired to worship whatever we want, right? We have that autonomy to worship ourselves, other humans, money, fame, we, we are, we are beings that attribute worth to things naturally. And so when I think of God, we were created to worship him exclusively, but sometimes we can obviously go off the path, but no matter what, we're always worshiping something, in my opinion, always giving value to something. So when I think of worship, I think of attributing value and, and making something a priority and above myself. And so God would be my first thought as far as what I desire to worship. But obviously I'm human. We all make mistakes. And sometimes our priorities aren't always God first. But that's always my desire is to have him at the center of my life mm-hmm. as the one who's worthy of it all above anything. So that's how I would define worship is attributing worth to something. Yeah. That's good. That's really good. Um, when we're thinking about worship music and that, like, as mm-hmm. already shared, that's that's a part of our friendship. That's a part of our life that we've shared together. Um, and you think about music and the church and kind of where those things intersect with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What role do you think? What role do you think music plays in when we're thinking about worship as a corporate? group like what what does music do for us like why do we sing songs corporately in church every week not more often than that that's a good question I think congregational worship is important and vital to the body because Mm. it like how would I say this God's God's desire for his people is to create intimacy and relationship and to be with us. So I feel like it's a way that heaven connects to earth um, in, a, in a really tangible way. I think God just makes his bed in music and wants to just hang out with us Ooh. in that space, that intimate space. So it's just a way for those two worlds, if you will, to collide, heaven and earth, as they were always supposed to be. Um, but sin kind of separated that, but God made a way for us to engage with him again. And I think worship is the way that he just shows his presence through his people. And since we all, if we, if we are Christ followers, if we have Jesus inside of us, the Holy Spirit's inside of us, then God is also inside of us, right? So where, where we are with people, we are with God. 
It's mm-hmm. one in the same. So you experience God in a larger scale when you're around others. That's why Christianity can't be, faith in God can't be apart from relationship with people. It's one in the same. So you love God, you love people. God lives in me. And so in order to experience his presence in a larger way, corporate being in a corporate setting is the way to do that. And music just happens to be a tool that God has created um, that it transcends time, space. It's kind of like, I like to think of it like water or wind. Mm. You can't contain it. It's just such a larger than life thing that is just, it's, it's, it can destroy as well as it can build up kind of like fire. Like that's the analogy I usually think of like fire. If you turn it on, you can contain it and it does what it needs to, but it's also, if it's not used well, it can go out of control as well. Mm. So music is like that in the sense that it's a, a huge force to just spread like I could send a song to another country in 30 seconds right now right. um so music has it's not containable it's it's water it's essentially like it's just this force and so I think God just like drastically shows his love through this massive thing that is music and it's it transcends culture time so I think that's why God uses it because it's so all-encompassing of so many people, so many walks of life. It's just, it can't be contained. So I think that's why God, it's for intimacy and for his presence to to be manifest. Yeah. I've heard it said, like, I think it was at a choir festival in like high school or something about um, music being a language that everyone can understand. Exactly. Like, mm-hmm. even if you're singing in Portuguese or Spanish mm-hmm. or English mm-hmm. or Ukrainian or Russian or whatever, like mm-hmm. you not understand all the words that are being sung if it's not in your native language. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can sense the emotion, you can feel what's being communicated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's powerful. I love that yeah. comparison to wind or fire or water. Yeah. That's so good. You, you can't put wind in a box. Like it's just it's everywhere and nowhere at the same time and it affects all of us right feel so, it see the effects yeah of it. yeah that's good and isn't that god though it, that, oh that, that that girl <laughs> i thought about that literally god is so he is uncontainable he's huge yeah. he's here and everywhere at the same time that music is just the way he's like i love you guys and i want to be i want to hang out with you let's let's be in intimacy through this this force which is music it's really cool (laughs) i think that's beautiful and Mm -hmm. we were talking a little bit about this earlier about um like worship music and corporate singing and um you you have actually worked in much larger churches Mm -hmm. Uh, i i i mean i interned at my church that i grew up in which was pretty big but I, I didn't, I wasn't on staff there. So it's, I'm, it's not the same. <laughs> yeah. we've, we've both been in spaces where um, the, maybe the worshiping congregation we're a part of has lots of resources. There's lots of right. lights and graphic design and instrumentalists and specials. And, and, and there's a lot of tools that are being used um mm-hmm. you've been exploring through your project and I, I i don't know if project is the right word for it but yeah or yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> of simply worship 
mm-hmm. uh, where you are from what I'm learning from you right now is, is mm-hmm. exploring worshiping God through simplicity and authenticity. Mm-hmm. Mind sharing a little bit more about that, about what has inspired you to go down that route and what it feels like and looks like so far. Mm-hmm. Good question. So when I left the United States, I kind of, it was after the, it was during the pandemic actually. And so it was a really intense time in my life personally And I had been in ministry working full-time or serving in some capacity um, for a long time. And so I was just like looking for a little bit of a, just an oasis of rest. Um, And so I decided to like, okay, I'm going to try to look for a non-traditional church, no, like not a non-church job, if you will, um, and exploring, you know, my area of study and seeing what I would feel like just doing a nine to five and then serving the church additionally. So I started to do that, but I wasn't fully using the capacities that God has given me. Um, and that there's nothing wrong with that. I was perfectly happy with not being in charge of anything. As I told Megan earlier, like I just, I, I was serving where needed and with whatever the leadership needed me to do as far as resourcing the team musically. And so, and I was happy to do it and I, and I loved everybody I served with. But after a while, God was like, okay, Victoria, this is great that you're doing this, but there's more. I've given you a lot of tools and a lot of experiences to use towards something. And so he began to stir in my heart, like posting more videos online. And it started during the pandemic when everybody was doing it. And so I was like, oh, and I'm, I'm, I don't love being online, like social media is, you know, we're still that generation where like, we still had Game Boys, like, you know, <laughs> online <laughs> Like, it's so bizarre. I don't, I still don't know how to use TikTok. It's just, you know, I'm still learning this space digitally. And I feel like God was like, you, I want you to use what you have. And I want you to just sing with your guitar, like return to the basic um, nature of what worship is. Because for so long, when you're in these larger than life places, you're playing, it's easy sometimes to forget the heart of it all. And I had a lot of burnout and I was just like, okay, God, I need to return to my first love. I need to return to my identity as a child of God, not Vicky, the worship leader. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm Vicky, the child of God first. So I started to pick up my guitar and record videos and then people started to share them. I remember the first video I did for it. I was like, I want to do this. (laughs) I was like, I want to do it. It's late. I was like in a bad mood. I was like, God, I'm just going to record it. First take. That's all I'm giving it. And then people were just responding. I was like, well, even in my stubbornness, I'm realizing it's his power. It's his ruach, which is a word I learned the other day from a a Bible project video. It's the breath of God in our, that empowers us to write, to sing, to create. Yes, obviously put in the work to be excellent at what you do, but without his spirit, dude, I could sing like Beyonce. It doesn't do anything. You know, we need, we need his spirit because that's what heals and restores people. And so God started to say that to me. Cause I was like, I'm not good. I'm like, I don't pick very well on my guitar, you know? And God's like, it doesn't matter. I want you to just create intimacy with me as you did when you were a little kid, learning to play, learning to sing and invite people into that space. And so that's what it's been. It's, it's a space. I don't even know fully what it's going to become. But it's just a space where people can come and just experience God's presence virtually in this case 
And I'm hoping to expand it more to resource creatives, maybe have a few brunches with creative teams, worship nights. Um, it's slowly manifesting into like different things. I've had interviews, uh, live streams with, with some friends from the U.S. So it's become devotionals. Like, so it's just like a resource for people to experience the love of the father through the simplicity and going back to the basics of what is worship before we go on stage with all the different moving parts that we have, which aren't are great, but sometimes they can be a hindrance to really experiencing the father. Um, so that's, that's my invitation. It's just simple, straightforward, and just, just being in his presence. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. For everyone. We'll, we'll share um, your, if you're, if you want your um, Mm -hmm. social media stuff later, but yeah, everyone, if you have an Instagram, you should really check out Vicky's page. Mm -hmm. um, I've listened to the last couple of videos you've shared and just really lovely. And, and yeah, was it, I I would confirm as someone who is engaged Mm -hmm. with it, it, encouraged me to pause and mm-hmm. I, I find myself with um my own spiritual practices where like I actually have felt a lot of conviction around this from uh recent events and recent uh realizations in my life of well yeah I have a lot of prayer podcasts that I listen to and I you know I read a lot of mm-hmm. scripture and I you know and I you know, a lot of this naturally happens because of the work I do with, you know, the church I'm in and, but very rarely am I pausing to focus all of my attention mm-hmm. on God's presence with me. Like, mm-hmm. and, and the beauty of God in this is that God's grace always comes first. And for yeah. some reason, God will still bless us, even if our whole attention isn't on that Mm -hmm. presence but there's something extremely fruitful and refreshing and renewing when we stop and really pause and fully engage with the god that is right in front of us and i i really think that your video helped me do that so thank you for that thank you yeah i'm excited to see where you're gonna go with it and and as an added to what you said I thought about the garden, you know, that was, this is how it was always supposed to be just intimacy with our creator being with him yeah. in relation. And when you fall in love, for those of you who have, for those of you who had, no, just kidding. Um, you want to be with that person. You want to spend time with them. You want to know how they are. And that was the design of the garden. It was supposed to be un- Un, un, how do you like un? I can't think of the word. But it was supposed to be a time with us and God together, without distraction, without hindrances, and then sin just divided us from that. And God, since then, has been trying to rescue. I think of Shrek. I love that movie when he goes <laughs> to, you know, rescue Fiona, and he's like fighting all the dragons. I think of God like that. Like he went all out of his way, destroyed the giant just to be with me, just to be with you, just to be with us. And so that's what worship is to me. It's, it's being with God. It's just spending time in his presence. So when we don't do that, we lose 
part of what we were created to be. You know, when we get wrapped up in everything else we have, but we cannot forget our core identity was to be intimate with our father. Yeah. So exactly. Yeah. Sorry, I went on a tangent. No, but I just, no, I'm really passionate. At all. No, that's why, that's why you're here is to share yeah. that passion. Um, I watch Shrek, everybody. Shrek one. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I feel like if you were to rank Shrek movies, what would you, which, which by the way, there's like five or six of them. And I, Wait, what? I thought there's only three. Like, oh. like at least five. I'm not, Whoa. I've only seen, I think I've seen the first three, which is the one where, where like they have kids. Is that the third one? But then that one's like, you know, the kids like. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but between Shrek 1 and Shrek 2, which one do you have? A, do you like the first one the best? I like the I like the the second story too. The second story was good with all I the little the cookie. <laughs> when the cookie falls, that was so big. It's like, oh, that was so good. But the first one's class. I like the first two. I would say yeah. equal. Yeah. <laughs> Fun fact: I did not know this until recently. Shrek is actually based on a children's book. No way! Yeah, it, there's a real. It, there's a book that came first, and it's no way. Not as oh. not as fun as the movie, I would say. Um, I love it. It's such a good film. Yeah, it's great. Films. Um. So, with that little little quip, I think it'd be fun to to go into the the section where we play a game together. Um, as I've prepped you <laughs> earlier, um, I'm ready to crush it. <laughs> oh, I, I think you're gonna kill it. So, what what I'm doing this season is uh, kind of a, a wink and a nod to the music and the worship and the arts that we're focusing on this season. Is since this is a millennial pastor podcast, I thought it'd be fun mm-hmm. to encourage my guests to guess um, the songs based on lyrics of the most popular worship songs from the millennial years from 1981 to 1996. I will say though that I'm realizing after the first two episodes asking people what songs were popular during the years when they were infants or small children is probably not. (laughs) (laughs) So we're 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 gonna stretch it to like late 90s maybe a couple early 2000s as we get into the season but um, I have full confidence in you. Some of these are from those millennial years. So I've got three, I've got three for you. Uh, you ready? Yes, I'm ready. All right. So song number one, you came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross, my debt to pay from the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky. Lord, I lift your name on high. Heck yeah, girl. Let's go. I know it's so hard it is so hard to read lyrics and not sing them that song's from 1989 no way yeah yeah 80s these songs are timeless I love I'm I'm an oldie song worship leader I love to throw in maybe it's the Nazarene I love maybe (laughs) I love it yeah okay nailed it so you got your one for one Here's the second one. And it's funny, this song has come up a ton for me lately. I wonder if you if it's been the same for you. Um, so the lyrics are Alleluia, Alleluia, for the Lord God Almighty reigns. Holy, holy are you, Lord God Almighty. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb, you are holy. Agnus Day. 
Yes. Girl, you got the artist, Michael W. Yeah, it's his. Yeah, your shirt. That that dude. That song's from 1990. No way. Yeah, The thing is, I really think there are certain worship songs that come straight from heaven. Like it's literally just like. I think this. I I think I think that's one of them. I I honestly one of them. Yeah, it's one of those songs where one it's it's one it's simple, right? It's Mm -hmm. simple. It's not too complicated. Um, it's repetitive, but it doesn't get old, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Like I think I I could sing that song for thirty minutes and not get sick of it. Literally, Um, it's a heaven. Yeah, I've also heard it sang in so many different languages. Mm-hmm. It's not like some some worship music. It's it's hard to translate from one language to another, and let's let's be real. Like a lot of modern worship seems. I mean, and again, I'm only speaking from a perspective of someone who's lived in the states their whole life. So like, mm-hmm. I don't know if this is true, but my impression of like big church culture around the world, it seems to be like a lot of it is kind of forced from the states onto other churches yeah yes with Hillsong it's <clears throat> Australia but then you songwriters all over the world so maybe that's a completely inaccurate yeah. opinion so I don't know <laughs> as, and that's actually not that is pretty accurate because as someone who's raised in Europe Europe is especially Portugal we're not super Christian most people are Catholic just like by name right. but right. I think Protestants are less than 2% or around 2% of the population. So we don't have the resources. It's now starting to little by little, but it's not nearly as much as what a lot of the English speaking countries have, like the United States, primarily Australia as well. But we don't, we have to translate almost, I would say 99% of our songs are imported. And so some of the language, like try translating a soul will lie in Portuguese. Oh my God. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> exactly. So not everything because yeah because then then it's that like does does the rhythm with the the language work it's yeah Yeah. man that must have been hard not every song we can do so every so it's just been an interesting thing growing up in a culture where we're translating not and not all the poetry communicates the same so we have to get the feel of it because portuguese is a very I think more of a wordy language and it takes longer to say one thing like in the US you just say go in Portuguese it's like I don't know that it's like longer so <laughs> so it's it's challenging because you literally are seeing songs and sometimes you're like having to vomit words out quickly because to fit it in the in the timing where English is just easier for singing in my opinion yeah. um the songs written in English translated well, to Portuguese yeah I was about to say like yeah the it, translation yeah well but it, now there's a move of god here in portugal of and it's happened over the years but i I feel like even more of portuguese written portuguese songs and i was just a part of a uh i helped with a recording of a worship album for the church i'm in now and it was it was all homegrown worship songs it was recorded like live with video, which we don't have a ton of. If you go on YouTube, search Portuguese music from Portugal, because there's a lot in Brazil, it's massive. Like they have tons of resources and it's like kind of America. But in our, in, but their context is different. Even the way they phrase things are different. Here in Portugal, we don't see a lot of that, but it's starting to birth. So this is the first, like, I think one of the first live albums recorded with video that's going to be released in the next, I think, year or so. But that is unprecedented. 
Portuguese people singing Portuguese songs with language that's conducive to our culture. Um, and this is a very like kind of melancholy, grieving culture a little bit, um, I, I find. And so having that kind of language of lament, but also rejoicing, it's been so cool to see that happening um, and the flames of, I'll use the word, revival as far as language, because I really think music is tied to revival very closely. Music and, and preaching kind of lead a, a move, lead movements to change communities and, and countries. So seeing that here is awesome. I don't know why I said all that, but oh, that's basically. Exciting. That's so exciting. Yeah. yeah. But it is different because what we, what we import from you guys in America and Australia to is not, doesn't always work here. <laughs> and that's hard. Cause sometimes it's like such a good, like gyro as an example, that song is, it's yeah. great, but in Portuguese, it's very, <laughs> it <doesn't work. laughs> yeah. it comes from scripture, but then some of the verses are yeah. like more modern poetry wordy. Um, but you can tell it's a good song when you can sing it in multiple languages. And Agnus Day is one of those. That's exactly you. You it yeah. translates really well. You did a great job of pulling it back into that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's timeless. It can translate well and easily. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. Uh, Josh Miller, the last of what uh, in his episode, um, mm -hmm. made a comment about um. One of the ways you can tell it's. I mean, good's probably not the best word for it, but like a, a memorable or a useful worship song is mm -hmm. people can get the chorus by the second time they hear it. Or yeah, I I I think for learning's sake, I would I would absolutely agree with that. And um, I agree. Yeah. Okay, you are two for two. You're killing it. Woo! Um, the third one. I have no doubt you'll get this one. Okay, song three. When the music fades and all is stripped away. And I simply come, longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. Heart of Worship, Tim Hughes. Ah! Circa, I think. Yes. <laughs> oh, early great song. So this was a little bit outside of that millennial year range, but yeah. I, I also included that as like a little wink and a nod <laughs> because we, so Victoria and I traveled, um, for a summer together at Point Loma doing um Point Loma has like traveling worship teams called uh summer ministry mm -hmm. teams or SMTs. Um and one of the one of the weeks we were together, we were in Bakersfield, California. Um, which considering I've never lived in Bakersfield, I've I've spent a lot of time there. Yeah, <laughs> you're a local at this point, you know. Yeah, basically. Um, but we led uh oh a workshop for teenagers and local youth groups um, about worship music. And we did like, you know, there's a uh, vocalist that worked with singers, um, you know, the keyboardist worked with uh, keyboard players, drummers worked with drummer, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it was called the Heart of Worship Workshop. <laughs> oh, it was? I don't remember. Was this yeah. right here? I thought, I think so. Was that not, maybe that was. Remember. It was so long ago, but that yeah. sounds awesome. Like we got to do that. That's really cool. Yeah. I, I honestly, I think something. That was awesome. The, the longer I work in a smaller church, and and I mean for for Nazarene 
uh, standards, we're probably a bigger, smaller church. <laughs> like we, yeah. we average about, you know, 60 to 70 people mm-hmm. on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'm not complaining. And if anything, it's not, it's easier to get to know people when, when you're that size. Um, but I'm realizing there's not a lot of resources out there for small churches. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of st- like, um, like there's multi-tracks and like, we're thinking about like logistical things for like mm-hmm. music on a Sunday morning. Um, there's a lot of stuff out there, but it's expensive. Um, yeah, it is. It's, and it's not always accessible and it's not always usable depending on the skill set of your volunteers or your leaders or you know depending on if it's staff person or not and there's something there's something to that that I don't know if anything will come of it but there's something that I'm like what what would it look like to have like a conference or some kind Mm. of gathering where it is focused on worship and art and you know worship services and how to serve people in that way but it's made accessible to to churches with less resources like which is the majority of churches is the majority of churches in the world yeah mega churches make up what like maybe three percent i'm making up i've been to a couple of worship conferences and they're great and they're wonderful Mm -hmm. and and there's always something to learn um as I get older, <laughs> as, I near, as, we, as I near my 30th year of life, <laughs> gosh, I'm still so baby. Um, well, I, I, it's just, it's one of those things where I, I'm starting to realize, like, you can find gold nuggets everywhere. You can learn something mm-hmm. from anything. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a piece of me that's like, I'll leave those conferences and be like, okay, well, like I feel developed, like personally as an individual, but like, can I take any of this back to my church? Like, is it practical? Is it going to, you know, anyway, so I'm, I'm just putting it out there into the ether. If anyone else wants to do something. That's a really valuable perspective because I guess I never thought of that. I'll definitely chew on that and see what, what, like how I can small way contribute to that. what resources would you in your opinion Megan what do you think and I don't I would love to ask you but it's okay if I ask a question like what what resources do you would you want or do you feel what's it what's an area that you would love to have resource in yeah. being a small church like I think I think about getting volunteers is is mm-hmm. hard and I'm not great at it like I I it's it's probably the hardest part of my job is okay. asking people to to serve and to to volunteer and you know to motivate teams motivate keep the motive and, yeah and, and like and also to honor people as people first and as volunteers mm-hmm. second right like mm-hmm. like I I realize that I'm I'm speaking not that you have to be a pastor to do this. Obviously any Christian can disciple another Christian, but speaking from a pastoral role, I care mm-hmm. more about someone's walk of faith than if they're volunteering on a regular basis at church. Um, however, as like mm-hmm. someone who like would like to have volunteers and musicians mm-hmm. and, and artists and, you know, people so that, we can worship together in a uh, way that 
maybe it's simple, but we're do you know, we're doing it together and, instead of, and I'm not knocking churches that do this, but that watch YouTube videos or who do their mm-hmm. videos. Because I know a lot of small churches who don't have musicians or who don't have volunteers mm-hmm. willing to try. I don't know. So mm-hmm. to, to get me off my own rabbit trail, I think to, to train people on how to be better at caring for and getting volunteers Mm -hmm. I think that's one thing I think another thing too would be what are the resources that are uh, that are out there uh, that are affordable Mm -hmm. Um, who are the resources that are affordable you know and and like it, there's nothing wrong with using YouTube lyric videos. I think that's fantastic. I, I think that if if your people can engage with that, it works. But I think I think something I would also be curious in is exploring options that are not music as worship practices. Mm-hmm. This morning. Like I think I think some people forget that we don't have to sing together. And this is coming from someone who loves singing congregation. Right whose you know job like a huge part of my job is doing that but I I part of why I'm I'm hosting this season is because of exploring the question do we have to sing in church do we have to do this and I I think we want to and I think God like you just said earlier so beautifully and eloquently um there is something unique about the way God uses music to speak to us and it matters and it's in scripture. Mm -hmm. um, But if we don't have that talent in our church, if we don't have that particular gifting, what do we do? You know? And so, so like part of the conference focused on logistical, practical music things. And then the other part going, so there's going to be weeks where you don't have any volunteers. There's going to be weeks where, Mm -hmm. you know, YouTube crashes or your internet's not working, right? And and I think to educate people or offer again resources that are already there um, on what are what are corporate mm-hmm. worship practices that don't require a musician or don't require a particular skill set, right? Um, I mean, although mm-hmm. reading that's a really good skill set too, but. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. you're saying that because it's like, it's like you can't bake a cake if you only have like flour and and an egg. Like you need more ingredients sometimes. And I think I love what you said about not limiting our expression of worship to just music. And I I, I really believe the point of being together is to be with God's presence with other people, and that can happen in an amount of ways. And I think sometimes because I worked at a smaller church. 500. I don't know if that's small. I, I'd say that's medium. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> like, I, I, 500 I, statistically speaking yeah, is a large is a church. Is it? Okay. Okay. <laughs> I think if I remember, I, I think you need, it's either 2,000 or 5,000 people to be a mega oh, church. To be, yeah. Okay. okay. So, but, but I would say, I mean, in the context that I know, 500 is a, a, is a large yeah. church. So it's not, it's not the biggest, but it's not small either. <laughs> it's not small, but it felt as small in some ways. And I feel like well, we you, were always. You've also worked in huge church concerts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That oh, yeah. Small to you. Yeah. Yeah, it did. And, but as far as resources were concerned, it sometimes felt like it was so hard to keep up with like 
all the things that we need to manage. And I'm like, and, and I would always tell my, my volunteers, I was like, as long as God's presence is there, we do the best with what we have. Even if it's just me and the piano, mm-hmm. who shows up, shows up. I started changing my mentality of like, I obviously we want the volunteers. We want them to be involved, but God does not need me or anyone. Like, even if I have to sing a cappella with the mic, because the drummer didn't show up, which did happen, you know, or whatever. I'm okay with that. I was okay with whatever outcome the Lord wanted to do with the service. Yeah. And, and, and not trying to make it something that it's not, if we don't have the resources, we don't have the resources. God's not going to accept my sacrifice any less. And it reminds me, sorry to go on a tangent, but it reminds me of, I think it's in Deuteronomy when God is describing the sacrifices that the, the Israelites need to make. I think it's Deuteronomy. Forgive me if it's not, but he he's saying, if you have a lamb, bring a lamb. If you have a pigeon, bring a pigeon. Like God was willing to accept a pigeon as a sacrifice for, just for the atonement, a pigeon, which is like kind of like a dirty bird. But God was like, if that's all you have, that's all you have. Yeah. And if, your, if your neighbor has more, more, uh, an extra bird, give it to the other one. Like, it was just this idea of being with God through through the sacrifice of worship, or in their case, it was like a literal sacrifice. Yeah. So to me, it was like, okay, if that's all you have in hand, don't feel pressure to be the saddlebacks, the hill songs, yeah. because God gives quote unquote the talents. You know, if some have two, some have ten, some have five. I think it's more what we steward with what we have. And yes, it is hard to get volunteers. I'm not saying that, but don't die on that hill if one Sunday you can't, because I really don't think God, it matters that much to God that you have all the bells and whistles because some people do, some people don't. It's like saying, does God love poor people more or rich people? I don't think there's any, I think he loves them both equally. And it's what we do with the sacrifice that we have. Um, And you can try as you can, you know, aches in the group room. Sometimes volunteers just wouldn't show up. I, I did all the, the, the building and, and I realized, you know what, I'm going to do my part because it's my responsibility as their leader. And if people show up great, if they don't, God's still here. And that's okay yeah. too. It's kind of like a, you know, I don't know. If so you, you're, you're speaking to my soul because I, <laughs> I have had several come to Jesus moments this last month because, and again, we're, we're a small church. This happens some, sometimes, mm-hmm. but there were like three weeks in a row where it was quote, just me, you know, leading right. and being, being on, on the platform. And, um, it, it's, it's, I think for, for those of us who, whether it's a job, like a job job, or whether it's a job in that, like, this mm-hmm. is, this is the role that I play with whatever, like for those of us who, who do these kinds of things there's all these weird intersections of I think the core the core call which is to point people towards the presence of God that's that's our job regardless of who's there what music we're singing, what instruments are there whether it's you know live music or recorded music you know like whether there's not even a physical person in front of you and it's a lyric video like that's the point of mm-hmm for me is is corp- corporate worship in this case through song mm-hmm. is to point people towards the presence of God and to form them right because what we sing 
affects us and it teaches us things whether we realize it or not what i i was kind of realizing is the intersection between that is the most important thing exactly but there's also expectations from other people that i have to live with and that doesn't mean like if i were to stop trying to get volunteers i wouldn't be doing my job like there's a there's an, an element of that but i think again to go back to something i learned at point loma in a music and worship class um, was this idea of the audience of one. Like, Mm -hmm. am I worshiping to please my church, my congregation, um, or am I worshiping God because that's what I'm built to do and I'm going to do it regardless. Mm -hmm. I think think the insecurity of having volunteers is just Mm -hmm. that security that god has not placed on me Um, yeah and and yeah there's and there's a plethora of reasons as to why people were not available like real life happens and that's okay um and just do the best with what you have you know if you got one talent great if you have two make and keep trying but also don't die on the hill is is what i would advise people because i've been too and god had to really humble me like He's like, Victoria, I can do this without you. You know that, right? I was like, okay. <laughs> He's like, you tried, you put the planning. Okay, if this is me and my voice, Lord, I, I just want God to show up. I don't care if there's 10 people on stage or one. I'm, I'm pleased when the sacrifice of worship is pleasing to God. Because as a child, I know if my mom, I was like, mom, I'll cook you dinner. And I ran out of money and I only had bread to give her. I think my mom would be like, okay, let's just eat this bread and enjoy it for what it is. And some days I could cook a huge meal. As long as you're with God and giving with what you have, I I really think God values intention over what the monetary resources look like. I really believe that. Because there's a lot of communities that have all the bells and whistles, but the spirit's not there. So it's the kingdom just doesn't work based on your 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 size of pockets like as far as money thanks god's kingdom thanks be to god it doesn't work that way it does not work like (laughs) it doesn't care if you're rich poor that's why the gospel is so accessible you're rich poor you know black white asian if you live in north korea or here it doesn't matter where you're from god the gospel is accessible to every single context every language every tribe every monetary if you have a thousand dollars, if you have two dollars, I remember. Sorry, really quick story. There's a guy at the at the metro, which is a train here, the subway, I guess you call it in English. And I only had twenty bucks. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I don't have any more money. And this guy was like, literally counting pennies just to go on one trip. And you could see he was like exhausted. And I was like, and he's like, ma'am, do you have thirty cents? And I didn't have it. I only had the twenty. Mm. Um, and I said, you know what? I'll I have, and God told me, Victoria, you have 20 times what this man has, mm-hmm. 20 times. Yeah. You know, when you think of a 20 times, that's a lot. He only had like a dollar or a euro here. Mm-hmm. So I, I paid for his trip. And I remember thinking, that's what the kingdom is about. I don't have a lot. 20 euros is not a lot of money, but it's 20 times more than what he had. Yeah. So out of my, out of what I have, I can give to this person in need. And that's what the kingdom is about. It's it's this economy that's available to everybody. 
but it ultimately belongs to God. And we get to steward what we have. And sometimes what I have is more than what you have and I can help you and vice versa. And me compared to Bill Gates, I'm nothing, you know? But it's just, no matter what context you find yourself, I encourage anybody who's listening who might be in a context, God has resourced you with what you have. He's entrusted you with his babies, with his children. He just wants to be with them whether that's one little piano, guitar too. I don't really think God cares at all, at all. He just wants the sacrifice to be pleasing and he just wants to be with you. If I want to be with you, Megan, I don't care if we're eating pizza or if we're at Gordon Ramsay's, which by the way, I really want to visit his like big restaurant with 200. It does not matter as long as we are in good company. So okay. I, I hate to interrupt, yeah. but I should ask this question before I forget it. Um, yes. So you, I, I love what you're saying. I completely agree with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, I think every, I think anyone who knows anything about God or scripture Mm -hmm. or the spirit would agree with us, Mm -hmm. but what happens when we encounter people in our churches who expect things we don't have? That's a good question. Yeah, I, I thought so, (laughs) but but because I think, and, and, I'm not complaining about where I work. My church honestly is so good at working with what we got. And it's, it's not, it's a non-issue. Almost every bit of my insecurity comes from me. Like it doesn't come from people. Oh yeah. Why don't we have more people? I mean, I'm like, (laughs) great question. Tell me more, you know, but, but, but there are times in our lives, whether we are aware or not, right. Where people want more. And I think I don't mean to answer the question for you, but I think one thing is like, it's related to consumerism where like we want the show, we want the the party, the smoke and whatnot. But like, what, like, what, what do you think, what do we do with that? Like, what do we do when what we offer to God as best we can, right? Because we can only give what we have. We can't give what we don't have. Right. Like, how do we, Maybe it's how do we educate and and help people along the way who maybe have a hard time seeing worth in the simplicity. Maybe that's a better way of putting it. I think reminding people what the heart of worship is and what it's not. Because if it was about resources, money, yeah, then most of us are failing because we don't have like churches who can't afford a piano. I remember our church growing up, it took us three years to raise money just for a keyboard. Like then we would be failing, but we have to measure things with kingdom tools, not worldly tools. Mm. So I think educating your congregation, like Matt Redmond, when they wrote that song, I think it's, is it Heart of Worship? Yeah. Yeah, that one. They, they literally, I think the church was getting to a place where they were playing too many instruments. It was becoming too much of a, a thing that he literally, the pastor is like, let's strip it back to just, I think it was just vocals for a good chunk of like a month or I don't know, a, a while just to educate people. What are we doing here? You know? So I think understanding what it is and what it isn't and educating your congregation, maybe through a scripture moment or a speaking moment in the set, introducing people to what worship is, the simplicity, again, back to that you know, kind of what simply worship is about back to the basics. What is it? Does my mother only want to be with me when I am all dolled up or I'm all dressed up or does she accept me for who I am? 
You know, what does it mean to be a child of God? What, it, what does it mean to be in his presence? It's to come as you are. And sometimes, the, and you could even tell your volunteer, sometimes, you know, sometimes things don't work out the way that we plan. Sometimes things happen in people's lives that don't allow us, but we're trying the best with what we have. And I think in the kingdom light, that is enough. Yeah. So I would suggest resourcing your church with that. And I think through speaking scripture, the songs that you pick, and even in everyday conversations, educating people on what worship is, because in that question, I would think the person has a, maybe not a great understanding of what worship is and it isn't. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. yeah. you can't really, the kingdom is not like that. It's just not, mon, it's not, there's no, I think it's intention over, over, how would you say it? God cares about intent, not necessarily your actions. Because let's say you pray really eloquently, but if you don't have love, it's a waste. You could have this the most amazing team with all these instrumentalists, but without love, you know what I mean? So I I would really maybe motivation. Motivation matters to God, I think, more than what you actually have to offer. That's why that widow had more to offer than the people around. So I think educating people on that aspect of the kingdom, and that's just the kingdom of heaven in general. It's not just music, it's everything. Yeah. Um, because then the gospel wouldn't apply to poor people or rich people. It just doesn't work that way. So I think that's why I say educate people on what worship is, what kingdom is whether it's through playing, maybe a series on worship, if the pastor allows that, if he feels that's a good vision or kingdom life in general, the Beatitudes. I think that that's what I would recommend, even in conversation, being like, you know what? God honors our sacrifice in mm. our intention more than what we have. And we try, we try to bring in more instrumentalists, but we're also limited in what we can do. That, I don't know if I answered your question. No, that, that's beautiful. Yeah, And I mean, let's be real we're we are people we are limited we are limited creatures right we are thankfully yeah (laughs) i mean yeah if we weren't then (laughs) probably be held to much higher expectations Um, it's god's church remember it's his church his bride yeah his responsibility you're just stewarding it yeah Mm. stewardship a lot already in this season which i've really appreciated it's it's personally been a really good reminder for me um so thinking about art and you know whether you think of art as music or visual art Mm -hmm. or dance right or you know whatever comes to your mind (laughs) when you think about that um how has art impacted the ways that you've engaged with um god um or other people good question because art like I said, I think I said this earlier about the true intention of God's relationship with his people is intimacy and love and connection. Um, that's the heart of who God is, is, is that he's a relational God and music just happened to be the way that God created intimacy with me, in my opinion. Um, because I, I grew up a little bit of my context. I grew up without a dad in the home. So and for those of us who've had those experiences, it's really tough because you kind of have an identity crisis a little bit, or even if your dad was home and he just wasn't like present emotionally, you tend to grow up with a little bit of a complex. And so I always would feel like I had to strive to achieve things for it to be loved, you know, and then worship 
when God called me into worship music, worship ministry, which was actually at Point Loma, it was the first time I heard God's voice was to actually audition for worship team. Cause I was like, me, what? Cause when you walk into our campus, it was like the fame. I don't know if you guys seen that show fame. There's like dancers everywhere and singers. Like our class was abnormally talented. I, I <laughs> our, that, yeah. You know, and Megan was directly below me. So I could hear the piano. I could hear it from, you know, I was like, there's no way in heck me little Portugal girl from a little Nazarene church is going to ever make the worship team. But that's what God had put on my heart. And I went through this massive journey as a worship leader. And now that I've been on break for two years, I was like, who am I? What do I do? And God's like, worship is not who you are. It's just what I used to get close to you, Vicky. Mm, it's yeah. for you to show you that I love you, to show you that I'm here for you when you didn't have a drummer and then I came through or, you know, to show you that I want to, I'm, I'm here even in this calling that you sometimes feel overwhelmed by. So to me, that's what worship has been to me. It's just been a fun way to get to know God and be in close relationship and realize that he is my father and he's come through so many times. I've seen miracles literally with God through this ministry. And as far as connecting with people, I think it's similar to our relationship. Like I've been able to meet so many sweet friends and, and build connection and, and intimacy also in relationship with people through music um, and seeing how music heals people how it restores people, how it helps them feel like they have a purpose and a calling. It's just, it's like being in the army. Like you have a weapon for good that you can help heal others. And we just happen to be in the same squad. You know, I love that. I love being on the worship team on Sunday. Everybody's there. We're all in this together. We're all here to hopefully bring hope to people who may not feel it. So I, I love that aspect of music because it brings people together. It creates relationships. When you're in choir, I'm about to be in a Christmas choir for a church. I love, I'm like, yes, I can't wait to be in choir again. You know, I love being with people and I'm excited to build relationships. So I think music just gives us an excuse to be together. It's like food. I love food, like almost too much. It's the same thing. It's just an excuse to be with people and where people are, God's presence is too. So yeah. it goes hand in. Yeah, so that's to answer your question. <laughs> wonderful yes food is great i love yeah. food. <laughs> i think about food all the time. Dude, it, okay so because of the time difference it's morning yes. for vicky and 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 it's super late for yeah and, we're both sleep. Uh, yeah, yeah. i won't because i know it, it'll not make me sleep very well but all i want to do is go grab that last like, bite pizza in my in my fridge. I know it's Eat literally it. <laughs> her head. But food is um, food is relationship, man. Yeah. Bring your pump. Um I think you touched on this pretty well in the last the question you just answered, but is there anything else you would want people to know about music or any art form in particular that's most impacted you in your faith journey? I would say First of all, you are loved, you are seen, you are accepted, you're a child of God, no matter what you do or don't do, you just belong in, in, in the family of God, in the house of God. You like, when you walk into your parents' house, I guess I do this, you know, you just walk in, you know, put my shoes where I want. Like, I don't, I don't feel awkward walking into my mom's house because I know I can go in the fridge, I can grab whatever I want. I, I belong in the father's house. So that's, that, that's the first thing I would say. You don't have to obtain anything. 
to be a child. And music just happens to be one way that I get to connect, that we all get to connect with God, dance, art, even creation. I, I go, I love nature. I love being outside. And I hear music in creation. I hear the leaves, hear the wind. It's all a symphony, you know? Music is just the way that God's like whispering his heartbeat for his children. And so oh. um, I w- that's what I would say. It's just like, that's just a way that he gets to you. You know, if he gets you through finance and math and, you know, all that, great. <laughs> that's your thing with God, you know? But it's, I would say, just don't make it your identity because your identity is you're already a child of God who just happens to connect with your father through the art form of name it or whatever it is that you you might do. And God's not limited to that. So I, I that's what I would I would say. I think I answered the question. I hope. No, you that. that was great. Yeah. Um wow, that's so good, Vicky. The because I is everything, man. That's what I've been learning at least. Yeah. Knowing who you are, and then you just happen to be a musician. You yeah. you serve in the kingdom and you just happen to be in finance. You just serve in the king, you just happen to be a pilot. <laughs> it doesn't matter as long as you're bringing glory to God. It could be end ways. And that's the diversity of who God is. He's so yeah. multicultural, multi everything. Yeah. All, all tongues shall confess when you shall bow, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I think, I think one thing I'm walking away from this conversation, other than just like, you're a poet, by the way, like just all of the imagery that you've used. Mm-hmm. I, I love Thank it. You. It's very, mm-hmm. it, it, as someone who, thinks very like thinks visually more than more than musically. <laughs> like, I really appreciate it. I think one thing I'm 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 being reminded of in this conversation is the heart of God needs to take priority. Mm-hmm. Um, and by serving that heart of God you will serve other people. Exactly. Instead of I, I think I think sometimes people get it twisted in in this like well, you, you can't serve people first because then you're not serving God. There's this like weird dichotomy that like, I don't know. I think, I think in, in, in some people's desires to have clear lines of like, this is how you live right. And that's wrong. And, and it's come up in previous conversations about, you know, especially in the times we live in, like people, need clarity and they need like clear-cut expectations and it's you know but I I think I think sometimes in our desire to serve God we feel like that means we need to put people's opinions over that of the father Mm -hmm. um but I, I I also am a firm believer that by loving and serving people you are serving God um, oh, absolutely. It's one yeah. in this. That's so crazy that that's the same thing. It is the loving same. God and loving people is the same that you cannot have one without the other. Yeah. But you need to live out of the identity of who you are because yeah. what I've noticed when I'm insecure, when I'm not, for lack of not to be too Christian y, but life in the spirit, if I'm not living immersed in my kingdom identity, what am I operating out of? Insecurity, my own, you know, because I don't know who I am. You know, and I feel like, you know what I mean? So when you operate as a child, you walk in to his presence. You 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 care about what he says about you more than what people do. Mm-hmm. And that informs how you treat your volunteers, how you, you know what I mean? 
So I'd say focus on your identity first as a child of God and don't operate out of insecurity because that that's a, that's a false identity in my opinion. And I did that for years. I was like, it needs to be perfect. It needs to be like that, you know, because I felt like I had to earn God's love. That's a flesh thought. A love thought is like, you know what, God, I did the best with what I have. I only have a piano today. And God's like, okay, I still love you, kiddo. I love hearing you sing to me. I'm like, okay, God, here's the piano with the, and that's what Simply Worship, at least has taught me, is that God just wants to be with me, you know? And, And me knowing that gives me more grace and love for other people and how I interact with them. So it's, it's the direct tie of who I am that it reminds me of a song. I love Pat Berry. He's like my favorite in the whole world. I don't follow a ton of like specifically Christian artists, not, not for any reason other than I just don't, there's no like intention, mm-hmm. but Pat Barrett is one of the ones that just like for it's, me, so it's every time. So good. Please listen to his albums, all of them. But there's a song on this new album. And Loki, I was in the same room as him, but I chickened out and I didn't say hello. Biggest regret <laughs> to this day. But I will meet him one day. That's what well. I'm prophesying. But there's a song he, he has. I highly recommend worship to listen to that, that album. So good. It says, I'm seen, known, loved by the Father. I'm held something never forgotten that song seen and known and loved is is literally what came to mind heaven knows who i am i am loved by the father mm. and if the world is in his hands i have nothing to fear Ooh. so if we opt out of that identity yeah. you know what i mean it doesn't matter you know people yeah. treat you well don't treat you well that's not who i am yeah. you know heaven knows who i am so i think i don't know that's that mine as you were as you were talking was um there's this kind of cyclical relationship between knowing God and knowing ourselves. Right. And Mm -hmm. it's it's this thing where the more we know of God, the more we know of ourselves and vice versa, the better we know ourselves, the better we know God. Mm -hmm. And it's, again, it's that kind of, I think self-knowledge can, can be kind of a, uh, depending on the, the, Christian context you come from can be seen as a negative thing of like Mm -hmm. you don't need to know yourself you just need to know the spirit and it's like well yeah God takes priority but also God wants me to know who I am Mm -hmm. so that I I don't fall into false narratives and false truths Mm -hmm. you know and that's through intimacy you only develop that through intimacy through and what is intimacy sometimes you argue sometimes you get along sometimes you don't you're literally naked before the other person for better, for worse. But it's in that like, oh, look at me. I'm so sinful. I have all these things that you're also loved. Yeah. So it's like, but that there's a lot of shame in that. And I experienced this too, of feeling like, God, you can't see my, you know, my dirty laundry. Like you can't see my mess. And he's like, it's in you showing me your mess, your insecurity, your pain. That's when I show you, you're also loved and you are forgiven as well. So it, it needs to happen in this very holy place, which is in his presence. That's where we experience the fullness of who we are. And then as we get filled, we then spread the gospel through through that fullness. And that's what Jesus came. He came, gave us the Holy Spirit so that we can then go out and spread that hope, spread that identity. Because people do it all the time. Like they get addicted to drugs, alcohol, 
you know, all these different addictions because we're operating out of Money, orphan ego, and identity, position. Yeah. yeah, you need status. And then it doesn't matter if my church has 50 people. When you operate out of a daughter mindset or a son mindset, it could be 50 people in the congregation. I'm still loved. You know what I mean? You you don't really look at those things anymore is what I'm finding. If it's two people watching, if the cords are perfect or if not, I do the best with what I have. Yeah. But ultimately yeah. my identity rests in the father. If I'm, a, if, and that will work if you're, and that needs to happen if you're at a church of 60,000 or if you're a church too, yeah. you know what I mean? Identity allows you to basically serve the father in either one. So it's, I think that's the crucial piece because you see more time and time again, leaders operating out of orphan mindsets. And that leads to manipulation. That leads, that is the fruit of the flesh. But when we're filled with the spirit, then there's love, joy, peace, patience. But you can only be filled with the spirit if you're with the spirit, if you're in intimacy with him through worship, which happens to be one of those ways. And you have to be vulnerable and lay aside because it's so interesting. Why did Adam and Eve walk away from God's presence when they sinned? You would think that you make a mistake, you would go to your father's arms. But they 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 went the other direction. And how many times do I do something bad? I'm like, no, God doesn't want to see me. That's exactly the time that you need to see it the most is when you are vulnerable, when you're in pain. It's there that you find out who you are. And God's like, yeah, you sinned. Yeah, you made a mistake. Yes, you did this. But you are still loved. And I forgive you. We need to have more of that resurrection death happening often in our daily living through the intimacy of worship, I think, and other, you know, worship being with God, meaning, sorry, I'm really passionate about this, (laughs) but you know, that's how I see it. At least it's all about relationship. Absolutely. Could not agree Mm -hmm. more. Um, man, we could, I I feel like we could talk for three more hours about this. Yeah, this is so good. Um, I I think we'll do a part two. (laughs) Yeah, maybe, maybe. Identity identity is a big thing, man. It It really Um, but yeah i we do we do need to wrap up but i just want to say first thank you so much for your time and you really have so much wisdom and experience to share and i know that anyone who listens to this is is going to benefit and 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 i think be be encouraged and and Mm -hmm. again as you were talking there are many moments where i'm like okay god like calm down like I hear you. Um, but before we go, um, is there um, mm-hmm. is, is there a place where people can find you um, on social media if they want to follow Simply Worship or other projects that you're doing? Yes. So Victoria Davis. That's not my actual name. That's like my artist name, uh-huh. and it goes back to that identity piece. David was a musician, artist, mm-hmm. child of God. So I kind of identify with that. So that's why that the name is there. So Victoria Davis music all together on Instagram. And yeah, if you want to follow me, feel free. If you just have questions or want to hang out, want to be buddies. I love making friends. So I used to do that all the time in college, not people's doors. Actually, I think that's how we became friends. That is absolutely <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like literally just, not, I was like, I'm in a foreign country. I need to knock on people's doors. No one's going to come to me. So and I made a lot of friends. <laughs> so yeah. So feel reach out i'm more than happy to connect but yeah that's how you can reach me or facebook victoria sibingo s-i-b-i-n-g-o um yeah i think those are the and tiktok i think i'm on there but i i, I, I 
I still don't know what I'm doing. I, yeah, I just scroll on TikTok for hours, and it's. <laughs> Please I, teach I, me how to use it. It's so. I don't confusing. know how to use it. I just watched <laughs> okay, it. Good. Dude, the last oh, I just I think the last post I posted was like last Christmas. <laughs> I think it's been a while. Um, oh, anyways, really? Oh my. Yeah. Anyways, um, thank you so much for being with us today, Victoria. We so appreciate um your wisdom, your encouragement. Um, for those of you who've been listening, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Millennial Pastor Podcast. We've been with Victoria Sabingo. I'm your host, Megan Pittman. And I encourage you to check in next week to see what else is in store. The Millennial Pastor Podcast was created and produced by Byron Certain and Josiah Jones. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please be sure to rate, review, or subscribe and visit themillennialpastor.com for more podcasts like it.